us a message. All right. Well, good to see you this morning. Where have you been for like the last 12 weeks or so? I've missed you. I've been here every week. But I'm glad you're here today. I want to thank our staff. Our staff has worked hard over the last uh, few months. And um, we, we could not have done what we've done without the hard work of our staff. And I just want to publicly thank them. And... Um, They put this tent up, you know. I mean, if, it, if the pastoral thing doesn't work for them, they're going to join the circus. And, um, but uh, they've worked so hard. Just How many of you enjoyed the online services over the last several months? And um, I, that's, that's just all the work of, of staff here, and I want to thank them for that. Also, um, where are Stephen and Jessica? Is Stephen and Jessica here? Where are they? I know that. I think I saw them. Stand up. They're, they got engaged this week. And so they're, they're going to get, they're going to get hitched here soon. And so congratulations. Make sure you let them know that. And um, I want to thank some of you, many of you for praying. Uh, I put a video out last week or so, and I'm going to talk to you some more about that next week. But um, I'm excited about this month. How many of you enjoying the air conditioning we have under the tent? Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's uh, air-conditioned right now, and um, I'm glad to see so many people that brought their chairs. Listen, if your kids, if you're watching online and you're saying, no, I just wasn't sure about my kids, bring them here. We want to create great memories for our church. And one of the reasons we did this is just um, we wanted our church to come back together, and we can do this outside without um, having to breathe recycled air, and so We'll just breathe, breathe Toledo air. I don't know if that's any cleaner or not, but um, it makes us feel better. Um, and so we're able to have a church together again. And uh, these are great memories. Your, your kids will not forget these memories. And so uh, we are a family church. Kids are welcome. They can cry. They can uh, uh, run around a little bit. That uh, might help us to get a little excited to be in church, to see some young people excited. So parents, don't worry. No one's going to think that you're not a good parent. Your kids aren't behaved if they run around. Um, we're not going to be here very long. We're going to, on purpose, keep it a little bit shorter than what a normal service may be um, just, just because of these uh, changes. And uh, the restrooms are open. We're going to continue to keep them clean. And uh, maybe July we'll be back into our buildings. But uh, I'm glad that you're here. And, uh, again, I'm praising the Lord for what he has done in our church over these last several weeks. I want to thank our church as well. We, um, you know, we, we spent every week, we were doing something to reach our community. And our church raised, on top of tithes and, and our general offering, our church raised about $45,000 for helping families. We took 30 families, and every single week from March through the end of May, we took groceries uh, to their to their house. These are young children that many of them, oh, I guess all of those were ones that were getting lunches and meals at their school. Without going to the school, they, they weren't able to eat. We got many notes from people. I got a note from a grandmother that said, I don't know what we would have done with my, for my grandchildren to give them the food if it wasn't for Mount Clover Road Baptist Church. And so many of those notes came in. And thank you. Thank you, church, for that. We're able to take and, and feed. We went to St. Luke's Hospital and fed the employees there, Lakes Monclova, another week. And, and we went to uh, the Kroger stores and, and fed the employees there. And then our largest one was the Toledo Police Department. And I'll tell you, we did that right in time, church. You know, it was just a week later is when many of them really faced a lot. And, um, and we had so many... So many uh, people from there just emailing us and sending us notes and thanking us for, for loving them. And um, I want to thank our church family. We couldn't have done all that. And it wasn't just the finances. Every one of those meals that were taken were taken by someone in our church. They, you were volunteering. And it took us probably 10 or 12 different times to take all 600 meals to the police department in Toledo. And we had to tell people we, we're filled. We, we don't have any more 
room to, to uh, take food. Everyone in our church stepped up, and you did so many wonderful things, and I um, praise the Lord for that. What I learned over these last several weeks is this. Just because we can't come together into a building doesn't mean the church is closed up. And I want to thank our church for continuing to be a gospel-centered, gospel-focused church, caring about the needs of others in just in doing something about it. It's one thing to say we care. It's another thing to actually show that you care. And I believe that our church showed that we cared. And thank you, church, for that. Amen? All right, Acts chapter number 18. I want to talk to you today about seasons of uncertainty. Seasons of uncertainty. How many of you ever been in a season in your life where you were unsure of what to do? Unsure of what the next step was? You you were faced with, I'm not sure. I really don't know what decision to make next. The reality is I would think every single person here you've been there. Matter of fact, some of you might be here right now where you're like, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not living in gross sin. I'm not in this place because God is judging me or God's upset with me. I'm just in a place where I want to do right. I want to please the Lord. I'm, I, I want to serve him, but I'm not sure what to do next. Well, in Acts chapter number 18, we find the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is, I tell you, his life over the last, however long it's been here in Acts, has been so different. Paul sets out, he, remember, we've been studying through Acts over these last several months. Remember, Paul is is setting out, what does Paul want to do? Paul wants to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to an unknown world. He, 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 he knows there's religious people that are putting their faith in religion, but they need to know the truth of the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul had a great desire to tell the world that didn't know Christ who Christ was. Matter of fact, there's a reputation that we find in the book of Acts that these are the people that turn the world upside down. What a wonderful reputation that would be for a child of God to turn the world upside down, meaning this, they brought the truth of the gospel and it changed the world. People that were putting their faith in something that gave them no hope now heard about Jesus, and for the first time in their life, they've got hope. People that were uh, steeped in, in religion and lost now for the first time heard the truth, and now they're gloriously saved. Their life had been changed. Their world turned upside down because of people like Paul and Silas and Timothy and Barnabas that had a desire to take the, the gospel to the world. Paul did this on his first missionary journey, and he comes back to Antioch, and and God then puts that call on his life again to go and and preach the gospel once again, and so Paul takes his second missionary journey, but remember, this second missionary journey didn't go as Paul planned. From the very start, Barnabas and Paul have a division over a man by the name of John Mark, and so Barnabas and John Mark go one way, and Paul takes a man by Silas, and he goes a different way. Paul says, I want to go into Asia and give the gospel there. And God says, Paul, that's not what I want you to do. And Paul then has to change his plan. And as soon as Paul then begins this second missionary journey, you know where Paul finds himself? Beaten. Finds himself mocked. He finds himself in jail. He finds himself being driven out of towns. He finds himself with the religious crowd coming against him. It almost seems, if you're looking at it from a human perspective, you almost look and say, Paul, you must be doing something wrong. God must be after you for something. You must be doing something in your flesh. Something just isn't right, Paul, because if you were doing right, Life would be easy. Life would be certain. You would know exactly what you're supposed to do. God would be blessing your life. But I want you to know something. God was blessing Paul's life. Paul was doing what God called him to do. In our physical circumstances and the things that we are physically going through on this world doesn't always dictate God's blessing or lack of blessing. God was with Paul whether Paul felt it at the time or not. 
when Paul was beaten and in that Philippian jail, don't, don't forget that God was with Paul. When Paul was, was being ran out of Thessalonica and out of Berea and then comes to Athens and it seems like all of Athens is anti-God, guess what? God was still with Paul. And hear me today, when you are in seasons of uncertainty, when there are things in your life where you're not sure what the next step is and you wonder, God, do you even care? God, are you there? God, do you know what I'm going through? God, all right, enough is enough, all right? I, I was in prison, but, but now to be run out of Thessalonica, now for my life to be in jeopardy, now to go to a place called Athens and, and people just reject it, enough is enough, God. Paul finds himself in verse number one, after these things in chapter 18 of the book of Acts, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Now, Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. This is the people that Paul wrote the book of, or the epistle to the Corinthian church. Thessalonica, remember where Paul was there. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, that's the church that Paul wrote those epistles to. Many of what you see here that Paul is going to write, Paul visited on his second missionary journey. And then Paul later will write these churches and write letter, these letters to these churches. And when he comes to Corinth, this is the people that 1st and 2nd Corinthians was written to. Now, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, remember, this is, 1st Corinthians was when he wrote to that church. This is a church that received the gospel, but they continued to live in their sin. They, they, they willingly said, yeah, I, I want to be saved, but boy, I like the sin I'm living in. Paul had to correct them often in the book of 1 Corinthians. And, and Paul set some things in order in that book so that they that were saved would also live for Christ as well. And this is the people that Paul's visiting now. He found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy. So he was in Italy. He uh, uh, is married to a lady by the name of Priscilla. But Claudius commanded all Jews had to leave Rome. And so they leave Rome and they come to the city of Corinth. Now something's interesting about them. And Paul comes to them because he was of the same craft, meaning the same occupation. Paul abode with them in verse number three and wrought for by their occupation, they were tent makers. So Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers. That's what they did for a living. They made tents. And so Paul comes to Corinth. Remember, Paul doesn't have any money. Paul's by himself. He's left Thessalonica. He's left Berea. He's left Athens, a little bit discouraged because people aren't wanting to hear the gospel. He comes to this place of Corinth. He needs to eat. He needs a place to stay. He finds that there's a, a believer, Aquila and Priscilla. They're from Rome and uh, they're Jews. They, they're tent makers. And the Bible says that Paul comes and he begins to stay there with them. And he helps them in their trade. He's making tents with them. And he reasoned in the synagogues. Now, Paul doesn't take a break. Paul is using this occupation to, to pay his bills and make a living, if you will. But he continues in verse number four. He goes and he reasons in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Paul hadn't stopped doing what God called him to do. Paul still every Sabbath day would go. Now it was in Athens, before it was in Thessalonica, before it was in Berea, in Philippi. He finds himself in Corinth. And you know what he's doing? The same thing he's always done. He goes to the synagogue and he gets up and takes the scriptures and he says this. He says there's a Messiah that's named Jesus Christ and he's the son of God and he came to this earth and, and he was placed on the cross and he shed his blood and his blood is the atonement for your sin. He was placed in that grave and three days later he rose from the grave and he used scripture to teach who Jesus Christ was and when Silas and Timothy remember Silas and Timothy when Paul had to flee out of Philippi and Thessalonica Saul and Silas and Timothy stay there they finally come and they meet up with Paul Paul was pressed in his spirit and he testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. 
And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. It's almost like Paul in this passage of scripture finally comes to a place where he's frustrated. He's preaching to the Jews in all of these cities. And he finally says, you know what? If you don't want to believe, fine. I've told you the truth. I'm washing my hands of you, and I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Maybe they'll believe. Maybe they'll listen. And Paul comes to a place where this season of uncertainty brings him to a place of decision where he just says, I'm not going to do this any longer. The Bible tells us that he departed thence and entered into a man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. I want you to see something here in this passage of scripture. He says, I'm gonna take the gospel to the Gentiles. He's frustrated. He's, he's, he's done dealing with the Jews in the synagogue, but you know where he finds himself? At the synagogue. This man by the name of Justice, you know where he lives? When the Bible says they're hard next to the synagogue, you know what that means? He's the neighbor of the people in the synagogue. And that doesn't mean like the neighbor five acres or five miles down the road. In those days, the houses were right up against it. And if you weren't a Jew, you weren't living next to the synagogue. You know what Paul does? He finds himself still dealing with the Jews. You know what God does? God then saves this man, Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue. He believes on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Isn't it amazing, even though Paul is going through uncertain times, that God is still accomplishing what he's called Paul to do? Paul, like all of us, how many of you ever got to a place where you said, I give up? How many of you parents quit parenting like a hundred times while you've raised your kids? I've said to the Michelle, I'm done. I'm selling all five of them. We're getting, we're just going to get five more dogs. And uh, they listen better than kids. I'm done. And she says, you can't be done. I said, I'm done. And the next day she says, I'm done with you. I got five buyers. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all of us at one time, we're done. We quit. How many of you quit your job last week? You didn't tell your boss, but you quit your job last week. That's it, I'm done. I'm out of here. We all get to a place where we get frustrated. When things become uncertain, when things become unknown, fear can take hold, and you say, you know what, I'm done. But what did Paul do? Paul may have felt it and Paul may have experienced it, but Paul still stayed committed to what God has called him to do. And Paul finds himself, I'm done with the Jews, so I'm going to go next door. <laughs> and God, the way he does it, begins to put things back together. And it was after that statement by Paul that we read this man by the name of Justice living next to the synagogue, Paul begins to dwell with him. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, he believes with all of his house and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, speak and hold not thy peace. For what? I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Paul's done, but he stayed a year and a half. We've all been there. We all plan, we all prepare, and nothing goes as we've thought. How, how many of you have ever made plans and you thought they were great plans and none of your plans came together like you thought? You're in good company. You're not alone. That's all of us. 
We've all planned and nothing goes as we thought. These times are frustrating. These times are nerve-wracking. They cause us to be anxious and they also at times can cause us to be fearful. Because we look and say, well, I thought this was right and I thought I was doing right and, and I, I, I don't understand God while, while it seems like nothing is working out. We all go through these seasons and that's why I say to you, there are seasons of uncertainty. One of the things, my life verse is there's a time for every season. You know, we have to remember there are seasons in life. How many of you remember when it was snowing just a few months back and you couldn't wait till it was hot? And how many of you said this last week, it is too hot, turn the air on. We go through seasons, and hear me, thank God that we go through seasons. And don't ever think that your season is going to last forever. It's a season. You know what the good thing about every season is? There's an end to it. In Paul's season of uncertainty, there's an end to it. In your season of uncertainty, there's an end to it. And when you're in the middle of it, it might not feel like there's an end, but there is an end. Paul is in one of those seasons. And, and you know what? The world in our lives, we're in one of those seasons of uncertainty as well. We, we don't know what next week is going to hold. We, we don't know if next week we're going to have a job. I, I'll tell you, when this all started, the season of uncertainty, I didn't know if we we're going to have a church anymore. I thought 12 weeks, people out of church, no one's going to come back. Thank you for coming back. Seasons of uncertainty. We think that these seasons are forever. Paul's going through problems at Philippi. He's going through rejection at Thessalonica. He's going through hurt at Berea. He's going, experiencing this spiritual depravity at, in Athens. And friends are not with him, right? Silas and Timothy are gone. And he's experiencing these things alone. And often when we go through seasons of, of uncertainty, we feel like we're alone. We feel like no one else understands. We feel like our problems are only known to us and, and, and our friends are gone and our, our help is gone and, 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 and Paul is being made fun of and mocked and, and people are rejecting the gospel. And it's not only that Paul's alone, Paul's got to be at a place where he's saying, is, is what I'm doing even effective? So Paul, the Bible says in verse number 33 of the previous chapter, you know what the Bible says Paul does? He departs. Look, look with me, just go up to, to ver, chapter, verse 33 of chapter 17 of the book of Acts. All of this is happening, and so Paul departs from among them. He leaves. He leaves Athens because, look at the verse above, uh, verse 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. They weren't interested they called Paul a babbler earlier in that chapter. So Paul departs. Paul, a Jew, he sees truth. His eyes were opened, and he wants it for everyone else that comes into contact. Remember, Paul was a Jew steeped in the Jewish religion, and his eyes were opened on that day that he was on that road to Damascus, and he gloriously was saved. And now he says, I simply want this for everybody. I know what it's to be steeped in religion. I know what hopelessness looks like. I know what religion leads you to, but I'm saved from that, and, and I don't understand why no one else wants this. Paul now has found a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul now understands what it's like to be led by the Spirit of God. He knows now that religion doesn't get you to God, but Jesus Christ gets you right into the throne room. And Paul's experienced God and experiences blessing and experiences salvation and experiences calling. And now Paul sits alone, uncertain. Why won't they listen? Have you ever said this? Why does this have to be so hard? How many of you ever thought, why does life have to be so hard? Why, why can't, we're Christians, everyone should just get along. Everything should go smooth. Why would God, who could make everything go well, not make everything go well? 
You know why? Because there's value for us in seasons of uncertainty. It's a season that all of us must go through because without that season, we don't become what God desires for us to become. So what does this season look like? Feelings of being unsettled. Feelings of being unsure of the next step. You're uneasy in your spirit. You could be anxious, maybe even impatient, wanting God to do something. And maybe even for many of us, we come to the place where we say, all right, God, if you're not going to, then I'm going to start making decisions because something has to happen here. Oh, when you come to a place of uncertainty in your life, never step in the place that is reserved for God. Be careful of that, Christian. And what did Paul do? Look with me, and we'll go quick here. I I had a long introduction. I'm going to bring it here together here. And Paul, in verse number two, the Bible says, look with me, and he found, he found a certain Jew named Aquila. Do you think that was by accident? Even in reading there, it was he found. It wasn't just by accident. It wasn't just by happenstance. There was a need that Paul had in this time of uncertainty. And Paul found, that word found, it's a very important word here to to, uh, one that's in a season of uncertainty. And I want you to mark this down, please, in your heart someplace. Paul found someone he could understand and one that could understand him. It's very important in seasons of uncertainty that you don't withdraw yourself and think that you're all alone and think that you've got to deal with this by yourself and think that God has forsaken you and begin to formulate a plan that you now feel is best for your life because there are people that God has in your life. And if you'll open your eyes, if you'll, all as Paul does, find these people like an Aquila, a Priscilla, they will be so helpful for you in your life in times of uncertainty. Now, what do I mean by that? When life seemed uncertain, when life seemed unsure, maybe you get to a place where you begin to question your emotions and you're totally spent and you think, I don't have another day. I, I, I can't deal with this any longer. Paul found someone that he could be himself with and he, that, that understood him, that knew what he was doing, that knew what he was dealing with. Paul found someone that understood him. Paul was a Maker. Paul was a citizen of Rome. Paul was a Jew and Paul was a child of God. And what did God do? He put an Aquila that had everything in common with Paul in his path. Listen to me. What's so important? Why is it so necessary that we come to a place like this and we don't just have online church? How many of you are tired of doing everything online? Someone said to me, we need to start a Bible study online. I said, I don't want to get online anymore. I'm done online. I want to see someone. I, I, I mean, I want, to, I, 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 want to, I want to look at someone said to me today, are you giving hugs? I said, yes. And they said, well, your wife let you? And I said, she social distanced herself from me for 12 weeks. We've Zoomed, I'm in the basement, she's upstairs, and we've Zoomed together over the last 12 weeks. You you laugh. (laughs) See, those are the times that God puts people in your life to bring us back to reality. You know what reality is? Many people are living in times of uncertainty and God hasn't forsaken you. Many people are in times of uncertainty and you're not alone. Many are in times of uncertainty, but God's call on your life is still there and people still need to hear the gospel. And, and, and hear me, you, like, like Elijah, was one of those that said, you know what, I'm the only one that wants to serve God. And God says, Elijah, there's thousands more. 
There, there's many more people that God is saving. There's many more people that are surrendered to God. You know, you know, if we're not careful, we look at the world and we say, you know what, I, I think I'm the last Christian alive. Listen to me. There are millions upon millions upon millions of Christians alive in this world today that have not bowed the knee to Baal, that are still serving the Lord, that are still uh, uh, pleasing the Lord, that are still raising godly families, that still have godly marriages. And sometimes when we get to a place where we're uncertain, we think we're alone, and it's good that God brings an Aquila into our path. It's good that God brings a Priscilla into our path because we get to see that we're not alone. There's others that understand us and that we understand as well. You know what I see? That's the value of church. Most of us have nothing in common outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people like this and others like that. Some people like to go here and eat this and other people say, I can't stand that. I think one of the most, the best dishes you'll ever eat is like just take everything seafood and put it in one bowl. Amen? And enjoy it. My wife would like, Stick her nose up to that. And she'd say, put a steak on the grill. And then our vegetarian friends are like, no, put a pepper on the grill or something. I don't know, a tomato or something. But you know, when we come to places of uncertainty, we need to remember that there's other people that understand. There's other people that God has called. There's other people that can help us. Many times our emotions are all over the board. We're hurting, we're lonely, we're questioning, we're unsure. And these are the times that God puts people in our lives to bring us back to him, to bring us back to reality, to bring us back to what we know is truth and, and, and what God has called us to do, someone we can take rest in and comfort in. You know what they did? Paul came and he moved in with them. He didn't just make tents, he moved in. Why? Because Paul was at a place of uncertainty and God says, great, I'm gonna encourage you while you're there. The Bible tells us this, look in verse number five, Paul was pressed in his spirit. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in his spirit, marked that phrase and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. I want you to write this down someplace too. Find encouragement in your calling once again. Listen, when we're at a time of uncertainty, you know what, there's times uh, we'll preach a gospel message and somebody will say, boy, I, I come to church, I'm already saved. I, I, I don't know if I need another gospel message. And I'll say to that person, then it ought to be good to remind yourself of what you have. It ought to be good to remind yourself of what Jesus done. Every so often, I think it's good to remind yourself of the gospel message. Yes, you might've already trusted Christ. Yes, you're saved. You don't need to be saved again, but the gospel message ought to cause you to have joy, ought to cause you to have excitement. It ought to encourage you that you're still saved, that you're still a child of God. And when you're going through times of uncertainty, don't forget you're still a child of God. You're still saved. You're not left alone. Find encouragement in your calling once again. Remember who you are and where you are because God has put you there. Hear me today, every single one of you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter if your spirit is stirred, no matter what your emotions feel like right now, you are where God wants you to be. Find encouragement there. Paul's not at Corinth by accident. There's an epistle that needs to be written, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Remember, we open that epistle every time we have the Lord's table and we're reminded how to have the Lord's table. It's not by accident that Paul's at Corinth. Paul's not going to fall apart at Corinth. Times are maybe uncertain, but it's not going to fall apart. Paul, you're not going to fail. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And oh, listen to me, church, today, you are exactly where God wants you to be. He's got you at a job. He wants you. He's married. You're married to the person he wants you to be. You're living where you, he wants you to be. And you know what you need to do? Find encouragement there and get back to serving him. Remember, seasons are just that. They're seasons. In this specifically, in this verse, 
Paul is pressed in the spirit because Timothy and Silas returned to him. There was a period of time, and I'm not sure exactly how many days or months it is, but Paul sets out on this journey with Silas and comes into contact with Timothy, and they're his partners. You know, it's easy to face things when you have your friends with you, but when you got to face it alone, that's hard. I grew up in, in Philly, and my, my parents were in the ministry there, and they thought it would be a great idea to move from Michigan, where you didn't have to lock your doors and, and everything was, was safe, to move us right into the inner city. My first night in the inner city, I learned what a drug deal was, right on the front steps. We lived next to a, a bar, and so those guys would come out, and they'd, I mean, they'd be drunk, and I mean, I learned, I learned a lot. I was educated quick. My brother and I were walking. We couldn't walk. We lived on Lee Street. We couldn't walk to the end of the block on Lee and uh, Ontario because that's where the Lee Street gang was. And um, so you couldn't go that way. Two block, one block over was Water Street. The next block over was A Street. And A Street was where the A Street posse was. So literally, like, you stayed on your block. Well... My parents said, we want you to go to the school, which was on Tioga, which is about five blocks away. We want you to go and make sure the trash cans that were put out are taken back inside because in Philly, they even steal empty trash cans, I guess. So my brother and I, we walk up to the school, put the trash cans away. We go walking back and my brother said, now, now, we can't go down, we get, to, we get to Ontario. He said, we can't make a right. He looks down on Lee Street and, and the Lee Street gang is there. He said, we can't go that way. And I said, well, if we go down water here, then, then the A Street posse is there on A Street. We can't go that way. We're stuck. And this is what he said. Well, stay with me. Stick with me. So we start going there in through the alleys. You, a lot of walking through the alleys, you don't, that's a way to get around from walking the streets. And we come, well, we have to come out on A Street. He says, but don't worry, stay with me. We'll get through this. Well, wouldn't you know, we get there and there the A Street posse was. And I looked at my brother and I said, smart move. And he said, stay with me. He said, don't get separated here. If we stay together, we're going to be okay. Well, guess what? I ran faster than him. <laughs> and we didn't stay together. And I'm running through that alley between A Street and Water Street, and I'm only a block away from our house. And I said, Jason, I think that we got it. And I look around, and he's not there. The first thing I thought of, should I go back and help or go get my sister? So I went and got my sister. And we got back. By the time we got back, he was coming back through the alley, and he had gotten jumped and a little bit beat up. And, and he's coming. He says, you left me. I said, no, you left me. You didn't keep up. Sometimes those that we're with and those that we're find safety, and every so often in life, we're separated. Paul could be in the Philippian jail together. Guess why? Because Timothy and Silas is right there with him. You know what the truth is? We as Christians, we can go through a lot. As long as we're together. I've said to our board often, and one uh, God has put a wonderful board together at our church, and boy, there's been times where we're all on the same page and it feels really good. There's also times in life where you're not together and God allows you to be alone. And you know how to remember these are just seasons. So Silas and Timothy are gone for a season, but now they're back. And Paul finds encouragement again. It almost like he finds strength again. The Bible says, look again, when Silas and Timothy uh, uh, were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit. He got a second wind. 
Paul's calling or, or God's working in Paul's life brought him to the season and God is working in your life and he's brought you to a season and maybe there seems like a season of separation. Maybe you feel like there's a time where you're alone. Let me tell you this, it's only for a season. God is working and God is in control. God knew that Silas and Timothy were separated for a time and he knew he was gonna bring them back together as well. God doesn't just bring you to a place. He also uses that place to mold you. You see, God was working in Thessalonica and God was working in Philippi and Berea and Athens and now in Corinth, bringing people to himself. But God was also working in Paul to bring Paul to where God wanted Paul. And that was a complete, total surrender to him. You see, it's wonderful to be with people that agree and it's wonderful to be around friends that, that love the Lord and it's wonderful to be around people that encourage you. But listen to me, Christian, there's gotta be times where we find encouragement in God and God alone as well. Because every one of us at some point in our life, you're going to be alone. And it does not mean that God has forsaken you. It means that God has you there because he wants you to depend upon him. He wanted Paul to learn that his strength is sufficient. He wanted Paul to learn that God's will is, is even when it's a, a season of uncertainty, that God is always going to perform his will. And it was only for a season that he was separated from Silas and Timothy. And when he brought them back, he was encouraged and he pressed in the spirit and he went and did exactly what he did with Timothy and Silas before, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, God is a pluralistic God. What I mean by that is he can accomplish more than one thing at the same time. He can work in a place and he can work in a person. I'm done with this. My time is done. Thirdly, I want you to see this. Look with me in verses nine and 10. Hang in there one minute, I'll be done here. Verses nine and 10, you guys are doing great. The kids are doing great. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Oh, look at this, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Find your confidence in the person of God, for I am with thee. Wow, how comforting that is. How comforting, Paul. You've been run out of cities. You've been placed in jail. You've been mocked. You've been called a babbler. You're in a time of uncertainty. But don't forget, God is with you. And I want to send you away today with that thought that God is saying the same thing to us. Don't you fear. Don't you worry. Don't you get distressed. Don't you give up. Don't you get weary. God is with you. Don't fear. God's with you. He's gonna protect you when it seems like protection is all gone. He's gonna strengthen you when it seems like strength is all gone. He's gonna give you hope when it seems like hope is all gone. God says to Paul, Paul, I know you're frustrated. I know you're ready to quit. I know you're ready to give up, but don't you quit. You're exactly where I want you to be. Maybe you're at a place in your life where there's anxiety. Maybe there's a place in your life where you're at fear. Maybe you're at a place in your life questioning, am I supposed to be here? What am I doing here? Why am I alone? Why am I feeling this? Why does it seem like tomorrow is so uncertain? Then you take rest in the same thing that Paul took rest in. For I am with thee. Oh, it was great to have Aquila and Priscilla because they understood what Paul was going through. They understood Paul's life as a Roman citizen as a Jew, as a tent maker, as a child of God. They understood that, but hey, Paul, that's not enough. And oh, how great it was to have Timothy and Silas back, those that were there to encourage me, those that sang in the prison with me, those that knew this calling, how wonderful it is to have them back. But oh, Christian, what greater joy it is to know that God says, I am with thee. You can face uncertain times because God is with you. And listen to me, we're living in uncertain days. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There are times that certain people make the difference just to be around them. 
boy, I remember a couple summers ago when I thought I was losing my mind. I'd get up in the middle of the night and I'd say to Michelle, I'm leaving. I'm going to Missouri to find Jacob. And she says, you don't even know where he's at. And I said, I don't care. I'm going to find him. He was at boot camp. We hadn't heard from him. We'd get letters and I'd read those letters and just weep. And I missed him. I love my son. I missed him. And I said, I'm going, I'm going to find him. And she says, but you can't. If you did find him, you, they won't let you take him. I said, I brought him into this world. I've threatened many a times to take him out of this world. If I want him, I'm going to go get him. She says, but you signed, Uncle Sam owns him now. And I remember we got into this gymnasium there. And we started hearing the soldiers chanting or doing whatever they do. I mean, we could hear them blocks away. They opened those gym doors because it was pouring down rain outside. We're supposed to be outside on the field, but instead they brought us into this, this gymnasium and it's packed and, and we're all in this gym and everyone's got this anticipation and you hadn't seen someone you love for, for weeks and weeks and months that, at that time it seemed. And, and they opened these doors and you could hear whatever they were saying. One, two, three, four, open up the garage door, something like that. Then they come in, they fill that gym up with that sound. And I couldn't tell you a name, I couldn't tell you a face. There's only one I was looking for. And when he came in, I was like a little girl. I jumped on Michelle's shoulders. I said, There he is. And she said, Stop, you're going to get him beat up. And when they did their thing and they said, parents, you can go find your soldier. Man, Michelle and I went running through that crowd. We grabbed a hold of him. And I'll tell you, it was such a wonderful thing to be with someone that you love. I'll never forget that experience. There's people like your spouse. I, times of trouble, I, my wife is someone special to me. Our staff here is someone special and there's a great need. I, I love saying to Oscar, hey, we've got a great need or somebody's hurting, let's go meet that need. And when there's a, a, a technical problem, I can't tell you how often over these last several weeks I've thanked God for, for Nate Click. Because if it wasn't for him, I'd be on a cell, uh, my cell phone trying to do church with you guys. It'd be upside down, it'd be crooked, it'd be... Our staff is people when they're going through trials I tell you there's times I love to get into a meeting with our church board and talk through and pray through things and God's fine with that and he allows those people those Aquilas and those Priscillas and those Silases and those, those, those Timothys in their life and they're there placed by God but they don't take the position that God wants to take in our life God desires for us to find rest and safety in uncertain times in him. Fear not. And Paul continued, the Bible says, in verse number 11, and he continued there a year and six months. He stayed the course. He stayed the course, not because of Priscilla and Aquila, although that helped. He stayed the course, not because of Timothy and Silas, although that helped. What was Paul, why, and how was he able to stay the course? Because God said to Saul, or to Paul, I am with thee, fear not. You know, I say the same message to us today. Yes, it's wonderful to have Aquilas and Priscillas and Silas's and Timothys. Those are wonderful to have. But there is going to come a time, I believe, that all of us in our life, and maybe even as a church, as things progress in our world, we're going to have to choose to stand alone. But I want to remind you, you're not alone. The Lord Jesus Christ is with you, and he's promised never to forsake you. And his message to us is simply this, fear not. I'm with you. When you're uncertain, I'm with you. 
He doesn't always get you out of the season, but he's there during the season. In church, that has to be encouragement enough. He's with you. He hasn't left you. A season of uncertainty is not an absence of God. If anything, it's a season to where we depend upon him even greater. Would you pray with me, Father? Lord, I think I could speak for the majority of people. We're living in uncertain times, not even as a world, but Lord, even as individuals. All of us probably have something that we have decisions that we have to make. But Holy Spirit of God, remind us often we're not alone. For I am with thee, fear not. Lord, may we leave here like an army of soldiers today with confidence that you are in charge, that you have set the course, that you are the one setting the direction, that you are the author and the finisher of this season that we're in, that this season is not there despite you, it's there because of your allowance of it in our lives, that you're in control of the season. He had Paul in Corinth because it was there in Corinth that God wanted Paul to be. So he could say to Paul, fear not, for I'm with thee. And so Lord, may those words minister to our hearts today. We love you. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for these people that are gathered here today. Lord, it's encouraging, it's needed. Lord, even more than this, we need you. We need your encouragement and we need your strength. Lord, many are going to leave here today and their season of uncertainty is going to go with them. But may they also take with them the truth that you're there and you're sufficient. We praise you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Oh